and welcome to Hell Ain't Complicated, a supernatural podcast. I'm Claire, with me is my friend Bo. Hey. That's all I got. <laughs> Hi. Very enthusiastic. Hey! I don't know what hey. you want from me. Hey. <laughs> How you doing? It's been a week for all of us, I think. It certainly has. Oh my god, I am, like, genuinely sore from work last night. Fucking god. Hauling around um, rugs, right? You got into a fist fight with a magic carpet? I absolutely did. I never, ever want to touch another welcome mat ever again. <laughs> They're disgusting. I hate them. <laughs> Everything about welcoming rugs are so bad. They're like, they feel bad. They smell bad. They're heavy as shit. I hate them. And I had to lift like 50 of them just to scan one thing. Ugh. Oof. That does suck. Nightmare. Yeah, I'm just gonna let people track mud in my house. It was not fun. We're going to boycott um, welcoming mats. <laughs> Solidarity. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh my god, it's been a while since we recorded an episode. A lot of shit happened. I miss Sam's birthday, even though we did record that week and I forgot to say happy birthday, <gasps> Sam. Happy birthday, Sam, I love you. We recorded that week and we didn't say happy we birthday to Sammy? Oh no. We didn't, I forgot. I'm a dipshit. We made a whole event out of Dean's birthday, but we forgot. Oops, I'm Isn't that just the Dean girl, the Dean girl way, huh? Mm -hmm. God, I'm so sorry, Sam. Uh, Sorry, Sam. I'm so sorry. Well, he's still alive. You know, he had a good time, probably. He's he's alive, at least he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) At least you got to live, Sam. Be grateful. (laughs) You got your blurry wife. You can celebrate with her. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we also missed the Destel six-month anniversary. <laughs> Oops. Me, my B. Yesterday. Very exciting, though. Good for them. It was the three-month anniversary of their fake wedding yesterday. The 14th. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of keep track of with these fictional characters. <laughs> and they're even, like, their double fictional wedding. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, also missed Misha at the Oscars, which e- confused everybody. And everyone was talking about how he almost definitely had a threesome with the director God. he was with. I I cannot stress how little I care or want to know about his sex life. Can please can people please stop talking about it? But I do love how people were so confused about why the fuck he was there that he trended on Twitter. Like, what the fuck are you doing here, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> And then the Entertainment Week was like, he's not here to talk about Destel, you weirdos. And they got bullied so hard they had to take the tweet down. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So stupid. I mean, like, we shouldn't bother. What? You know what? Actually, I've just processed what you said and don't say it again. We're ignoring that. I I think yes. I hate you so much. Genuinely, I think at least once he has tried. I hate you so, so much. TV Guy announced that it would release a special Supernatural Collector's Edition magazine thing with exclusive photos available in June. Bisha said it was proof that nothing ever stays dead on Supernatural. (laughs) I love how bitter that is. The show won't fucking die. They won't allow me to fucking die. Thank you. Not even just Supernatural, but, like, TV Guide is still alive? What the fuck? I know, right? That's what I thought. <laughs> like, okay, so something that should should have been dead a long time ago is trying to resurrect. 
seven months after the finale show that also stayed alive far <laughs> too long. I guess they just changed with the time. Yeah, I don't. I haven't been to a grocery store in a while. I haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't looked for a TV guide. I don't know what even to look for. Uh, what else happened? Jensen Ackles Music Group, uh, Radio Company Music, released a new album, uh, Radio Company Volume 2. Very original. And some people, you know how they are. They're like, oh, if you look between the lines, he's talking about Destale. It's like, not. guys, you gotta, you gotta calm down. It's not. It's not. Although, mm-hmm. uh, John Cena is a heller. <laughs> okay, can you please explain that one? I only kind of understood what was going on with that. <laughs> I didn't hear about this at all. I guess I was, like, really busy that day or something. But apparently, oops, John Cena uh, gained the support of Hellers on Twitter after tweeting, Much effort and strategy is put towards not telling someone I love you too early. Much heartache and regret comes from telling someone I love you too late. He then then followed, like, he wasn't already followed, like, he followed Destel-centric Twitter accounts, something he does to follow people who relate to good stuff. What does it mean? Like, the other thing, the, the the album, it's like, you guys, you're looking into it too much. We got to calm down a bit. But John Cena purposefully followed some hellers. I... He did that. I'm incredibly curious, but honestly, I'm so past the point of genuinely caring what goes on in celebrities' minds. But that is hilarious. I always love it when people, like, they look in through someone's, like, who they follow on Twitter and they're just like, do you, do you actually know who you're following? Cause, but like he, he followed them. He wasn't already following them. Like he actively started he following them. them. So that's, that's like, hello, sir. <laughs> what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Either way, I support it. I don't know anything about John Cena, oh but he seems like a good How many people nice, does he follow? I don't know. Let me see his Twitter. I've never heard anything bad about him. He seems nice enough. Yeah. He he likes posting aphorisms, apparently. He's like, failure is okay. Believe in yourself. Aww. Always do your best. Thank you, Mr. Cena. Oh my god! He follows 258,000 people. Bitch, what? I don't think he's a heller. He's probably just following people back. Remember when everyone was like, Obama is a heller? Because when he first started his account, like it automatically followed everyone back. And then people would find people who... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> like, this means nothing. Yeah. I, yeah, it still makes me wonder, like, did he choose to do it? Or was it a little bit... O- what? Oh, to be a fly on the wall. Jensen <laughs> <laughs> Cena's iPhone. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, the fuck? What, what did you call him? John Cena. Oh, uh, first of all, you said Jason Cena. I was like, who the fuck is that? I probably did. <laughs> I can't say words. That's why I have a podcast. Uh, so for today, we're doing a episode recap. Uh, season two, we're doing seven, eight, and nine. So uh, episode seven. Oh, God, I, this fucking episode. I like this episode one. Episode seven, The Usual Suspects. Did you? I mean, I it was a little boring, but like, I'm the I'm the person who, who likes little things. There were a lot of little things sprinkled here and there. This episode had... Of course, obviously, a lot of TV and movie references. But then it was also a pretty good look at the brothers' relationship, which is hilarious because they did most of the episode. They weren't even in the same room together. So I just thought it was really, really cool and fun to see that from like the outside perspective and see how somehow their stories are completely straight with each other, even though they definitely didn't 
come up with one together because you never see them planning oh by the way if we get caught by the cops this is what we're gonna say you know so it it just kind of shows you like oh they have all these things planned out and they have these things worked out beforehand not for each specific situation but it's so general and like they've been in each other's pockets for so long like they have a system it's just it's really cool i like that it was cute that shit is cute uh, I didn't say <laughs> this stuff yet. Uh, November 6, 2006, written by Catherine Humphreys, directed by Mike Roll. Uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, Sam and Dean are arrested by the local police while investigating the murders of the lawyer Ton Giles and his wife Karen by a spirit. Detective Peter Sheridan is convinced that Dean is guilty while his partner and lover, Detective blah, blah, is aware that they have circumstantial evidences against the Winchester brothers. Oh my god, I'm falling asleep. Dean decides to tell the truth about the case, that Tony saw a spirit, and that wants justice, but nobody believes him. However, Detective Ballard is a good cop, <laughs> so she sees a ghost with a sliced throat, and she decides that Sam and Dean are telling the truth, and that they go fight the bad cop with the help of the ghost, and Sam realizes she's a death omen, uh, yada yada yada. I, here's, what's, <laughs> here's what's interesting, is that Claudio Carvajalo for Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, the one who, like, writes the synopses that I steal for every episode and I try to credit as much as I can, they have written synopses for 6,150 titles on IMDb. Insanity. That's so many. I can't even write a synopsis for a book report. How do you find the time? I know, Truly, like, an icon, an internet hero, international hero. Sometimes that happens. You just come across someone on the internet. It's like, how are you doing that? (laughs) It's incredible. Like I think about the Hawaii Five O. Uh, that one person. <laughs> I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. But it's just my favorite person on Archive of Our Own. Is a Hawaii Five O. Uh, I don't know what the ship is. Danny, Steve, or whatever. The, the, probably some two white dudes or something. But this person has been writing fix for them um, since like 2014, and I did the math. They have written one point. Four, five, fix. I think it was more than 1.5. You can round it up to two. Like almost two fix a day, every single day since <laughs> 2014. Up till now, they're still trucking. They're still going at it. You got It's it. incredible. You got to admire the commitment. <laughs> that is such deep commitment. I can't. Um, oh, God. I wish I had that kind of Of all power. things, Hawaii 5.0. Hawaii Five O, oh my god! How do you even come up with stuff for that? <laughs> they're my fucking idol. I love them. <laughs> they're what they're, they're what I want my mental illness to look like. Oh my god! The fucking power to be like I'm going to write the same. I got to write thick about these guys and keep it fresh and original for seven years. Holy shit! God, that's so incredible. Anyway, this episode is boring. And I don't like it. <laughs> I barely paid attention. I started drawing and I had fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I kind of went off and said my little thing at the beginning. Like, yeah, the plot wasn't all that interesting. I'm not super interested in the the boys running with the law. But I just really like seeing, you know, the little things. Like, when the lawyer came in to um, talk to Sam... Fuck, I forgot the name. But the, there was this, like, um, this show in the 80s. And they, bo- they both called him by the same name. Because they're... They're both referencing the same lawyer TV. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you're definitely brothers. Matlock, I think. Matlock, yeah, you're right. I was like, it's M something. God. So <laughs> they both call him Matlock. Yeah, it is that, like, 
<laughs> that extremely good trope of like two people being separated, but they both have like either perfectly aligned stories or completely conflicting stories, but like it says so much about them. Oh, it's such a good trope. Yeah, and I I also think it's really, really funny because it's like I felt like my organs shriveled up a little bit and like I felt like I was gonna die <laughs> when um the cop when she was just like I get it. You're 23. I'm like, what? He's what? He's 23. 23. I was like, oh, no, no, this can't be real. I'm older than him, at least season two him. And I'm just like, that's no, this is. And like, he doesn't even really look baby. He should. He looked baby in season one. Season two. It's like, nah, that's a man. That's definitely a man. But. It's so funny because they're still trying to use him to play the wide-eyed. His whole arm cast makes him look even more baby, too. But he's, like, still, like, trying to do the all wide-eyed and innocent thing. It's very funny. Very funny. Especially since they're convinced yeah. that his brother is, like, some sicko torturer serial killer. <laughs> Not yet, but <laughs> sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, that's kind of the thing about this episode. It's, like, a continuation of skin like for once the brothers actually have repercussions from a different episode with real people and not just monster bullshit <laughs> yeah and like at first i was like wait what st louis and i was like oh and then they're just like you're gonna tell us how you faked your death and i'm like that'll be really hard to explain boy <laughs> they're not smart enough to do that by themselves <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, both of you to assume that they they could have pulled that off. <laughs> and then I loved how um, both Sam and Dean at the same time were like, it's an anagram, it's gotta be an anagram. And, like, Dean is completely ignore ignoring oh, yeah. oh, the lawyer, so who's just like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, an anagram, this is what an anagram is, he explains what an anagram is, he's like, what, what? Like, I'm, like, yeah, he's a lawyer. He knows what an anagram is. So, <laughs> it's just very, very funny. But it's also like, oh, my boys are so smart. Especially because Dean didn't have paper at first. Because Sam immediately starts trying to figure it out, but Dean didn't have paper. So he was like, mm. just like oh, bitch, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, it really makes me want to see like a... I mean, granted, I could say this for the AU section, but I really want like a Phoenix Wright AU. Oh my god. <laughs> Or Phoenix Wright has to detect the Winchester brothers. Like, yeah, they're innocent, but like, how the fuck do you prove that? To be fair, ghosts and spirit mediums do exist in the, in the Ace Attorney That's universe. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Like, they have actually had spirit mediums come on stand. Like, yeah, this could in fact happen. <laughs> Phoenix is like, well, you see, a ghost did it. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, oh, did they now? <laughs> As if everybody else isn't fucking batshit insane and having fucking insane leaps of logic against Phoenix. I know, oh right? It's only an insane leap of logic when Phoenix says it. <laughs> <laughs> None of what any of you motherfuckers say make any sense. Oh, man, that'd be so good. That's why Ace Attorney is so good, because Phoenix Wright is, like, the straight man, and everybody else is the funny guy. <laughs> Phoenix is still funny, and I love him, though. Even more so with Apollo, because Apollo yeah. is not only the straight man, but the point of Phoenix is he's supposed to be very mild-mannered, he's supposed to be kind of the, like, every man that you can 
just drop a person into, right? Well, Apollo's feisty. <laughs> and he also likes rules a little bit more than Phoenix does. Phoenix is completely willing to just be like, fuck it, let's do crime. It's in the name of justice. <laughs> but Apollo, Apollo is feisty. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's got manlit anger problems. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> he is a family. Oh my god. But anyways, that would be very, very good. <laughs> it would be very good. God, AU, where Sam and Phoenix Wright go to law school together. And, they're, and they were roommates. Can you fucking imagine? Oh, oh my god. god. See, the thing about Sam and Phoenix being like law school roommates, the reason why it would work so well is Sam tries very, very hard to be normal, but he's like, secretly a like inside in his soul he's a crazy person it's the same exact thing as phoenix except for he's not trying to be normal he just looks normal until until you look too close you're like oh you're insane (laughs) you're actually certifiable so the two of them it would be like the first two weeks it'd be fine perfect cordial roommates they they think the other one's a perfect roommate and then they get to know each other and like it's a miracle that their apartment doesn't burn down they should not be left alone with one another. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, they could either be absolute best friends or, like, they seem perfectly good roommates on the surface, but, like, you actually visit their dorm and there is, like, you know, sometimes in, like, American TV, they'll be, like, people will tape their side of the room and everything will start getting taped. Like, this is my half, this is your half. And, like, everything is taped like that. And people come into their room like, what the fuck is happening? And they're like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We're perfectly fine. Both Thank of you. them are just very, very laid back people, though. I, I can't imagine that happening. That's true, too. There would have to be some sort of inciting incident. Like, something... Because it, it could eventually happen. I b- fully believe it. But something would have to happen first. That Because, like, if everything is, you know, um, just standard, they would get along fine. They'd get along like a house on fire. They'd be great. So there, there's three options. Something happens and it just goes to shit. They just don't give a shit about one another. Like, because that's completely feasible where they're both like yeah he's a nice dude i guess he's not my best friend or they're besties those are the three options i think they are besties usually but then there's like one morning where the coffee machine breaks and they both just like fucking lose their fucking mind because sam made it very clear this episode he's like give me my fucking coffee and then maybe i'll talk absolutely absolutely no 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 no. there goes there are occasionally weeks where they're both just insanely like malicious to each other for little things then it goes back to normal (laughs) and everyone's like what the fuck is happening like you know that episode of parks and rec where um ron breaks the coffee maker and everyone is about ready to start a war and and he's just like it was just too calm i had to start some shit it's like that everything is calm and great and they get along fine then something little happens and for a week they go insane then they're back to normal that's exactly it. Oh my god! And they definitely also know Elle Woods. She just she does not live with them though, because that'd be a mess. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> she is there. Right, so they kind of need her. They do. They do. <laughs> she makes sure that both of them know how to dress themselves. You cannot look yes. me in my eye and tell me that either of them know how to properly groom and dress themselves and make themselves look presentable. No, they Absolutely don't. Not. They don't. 
Phoenix's fucking heart sweater. That's literally what he's wearing in college. He has no fucking taste at all. We're getting really distracted by this. We're really... <laughs> That's because this is a stupid police episode. I don't like it. It's the start of the police arc, which I don't care about at all. There's like one good episode of the, of the fucking police arc. And then the rest of it's like... There was something I heard where it's like, stop bringing bureaucracy, bureaucracy into supernatural shit because it fucking ruins everything. Like, there are some good examples, like um, Men in Black, but it's still like, can we not? Can we have some fun, sexy times instead? Oy. And that's basically what this episode and future episodes will be. Oh, God. Okay, uh, trivia. This, you know, season two, episode seven. So the first season was like 22 episodes and then plus seven. So like the 29th-ish episode. This is the first episode where Dean does not refer to Sam as Sammy. 29 episodes. I think he does it every single episode. Isn't that crazy? That can't be right. I know it doesn't feel right. It might be wrong. I might be wrong. I just, you know, this is off IMDb. But yeah. It might be that he does call him Sam, but it's just this is the first episode where he doesn't say Sammy too. That's crazy, huh? I mean, it's also very cute that just Jensen Ackles probably, it's probably not even in the script. Jensen Ackles just says Sammy when he feels like it's right. <laughs> That's very cute. Um, da, 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 da. This is pretty much the most interesting part of the episode for me personally. <laughs> At the end, when Dean and Sam are walking away, Dean says, did she look too familiar to you? No, why? I don't know. Anyways, you hungry? No. Man, for some reason, I could really go for some pea soup. Uh-huh. Basically, that's a reference to Linda Blair, who is playing the good cop. Big air quotes on good cop. Who played Reagan in The Exorcist, and her vomit resembled uh, split pea soup. I think it might have been made of. I can't remember what it was made of. Um, but yeah, she played the detective in this episode. That's why he says it. Just a very, very heavy-handed reference. They could yeah. have, they could have just left it as at the does she look familiar? But no, they had to bring in the pea soup. Like, no, we got we got it, Dean. No, we understand. You know, the thing is, this episode is in 2006. I don't know if IMDB existed by then. That's the thing, is people were probably like, she looks really familiar. What do I know her from? Oh man, I wish I could find out. So they had to say, huh. Oh, yeah, uh, pea soup. And then people be like, oh, it's her from The Exorcist. Because they didn't have IMDb <laughs> back then, kind of, maybe, possibly. That's fair. Uh, and the last bit of trivia is just, this is one of the episodes where the supernatural element is actually friendly and the perpetrator is human. The bad cop. This episode is just, oh, there's some bad cops out there and we gotta... We need the good cops to weed them out. And we all know sure. that's not how it works. Anyway, episode eight, Crossroad Blues. Oh, this episode's so good. Uh, November 16th, 2006, written by the Sarah Gamble, directed by Steve Boyum. When two highly successful professionals die after claiming to be haunted by hellhounds, Sam and Dean investigate the local dive bar, discover it sits upon a site where a deal-making demon has been making people's dreams come true uh, in exchange for their souls. Dean summons the demon to exercise it, but is horrified after it reveals the painful truth about John's death and tempts Dean by offering him the one thing he wants more than anything. His father. Ah! Mm. This synopsis is actually by, uh, shit, I don't know how to say the name. Uh, Drifa Baljet. That might be wrong. Drifa, I think you got it a little bit wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is not what he wants most in this world. Not in the slightest. 
Did you see that that post on Tumblr that was just like anytime a god or entity has to <laughs> has to create a heaven or Dean's truest desire, they're like, I'm gonna be real, this is not gonna be my best work. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Like fucking Sam is like, here are all my neuroses. I put made them into an ordered list for you. Here you go. And then Dean is like, I feel like I think that Dean is so anti paranormal shit that he like gives people psychic damage if they try to get in his brain. <laughs> I think it's also just what he wants and what he believes and like there's everything is so mixed up in his brain so let's say we were eventually to like set him up in like a gin dream that was like the perfect paradise like um they explained in that one episode where he was like in a gin dream where like his life was terrible because he wouldn't fucking believe it that's why like heavens and like yeah uh happiness that doesn't work for him so they have to find a way to finagle that but then also there's other things where it's like oh your deepest desire it's also like we personally had canon that he's like bi or gay or whatever but he's so deeply repressed and got so much internalized homophobia he's not gonna accept that either so like what he can accept and face and what he really wants are at odds with each other and then sometimes what he wants is actually conflicting it's just He's a very, very complicated and self-loathing man. <laughs> it's like a monster enters his brain and they get stuck in the fucking labyrinth and Dean is the Minotaur. Absolutely. And like, I fully believe wanting John back is what he believes he should want. And that should be one of his deepest desires along yeah, with well, wanting his exactly. mom. But it's not. And I think he hates himself for that. Sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, Definitely. No, that's, like, exactly it. Yeah, it kind of shows in the episode, because, like, he's trying to get the demon into his car. She sees the demon circle as, like, no, 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 but you're not taking me to no secondary location. <laughs> and so they start, like, going back and forth, and she's like, your dad's fucking screaming in hell, and your dad's suffering, and he's like, oh, no, my dad, oh, I'm so sad about it. And they, like, kind of, like, art, <laughs> you know, just, like, walking around this playground or whatever and he's like being like oh man i might have to take the deal and he he's literally just leading her on so that she gets under the uh well what it what's it called water thing what's it called what are you fucking talking about well it doesn't have a water in it anyway well he's leading her around she's following and then he eventually he's like all right i kind of want to make this deal you know she's dramatic so she stands under the water tower I think that's what it's called. She does her fucking thing. And then she realizes, oh, shit. Dean drew a devil's trap, the underside of the water tower. And she's stuck there. And Dean's like, I got (laughs) you. So, like, it very much is, like, did he actually care? uh, Towards the end, at the end of the episode, he kind of does. But, eh. but yeah, I think that is actually a really good point that he thinks he should care. But does he actually? In my heart, I want to say no. In the writer's heart, they're like, oh, he absolutely cares. In my heart, I don't fucking care. I think deep, deep down, he's relieved that his dad is dead, and he hates himself for that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I read a really good fic. I'll link it. There's a really good fic. I should send it to you. It's actually really good. It had that one... 
this actually kind of fits with the theme of the of the episode. The episode is very the Americana Southern Gothic feel that we all want Supernatural to be. Hell yeah. And that fic has like a very good line about like the empty being the gentrifying like the rural south and then pulling back out so it ruins everybody's lives and like oh, yeah. the empty kind of taken. I'll link to the fic. It's very good. It's a very good phrase. I'll fucking link to it. But yeah, just the aesthetics of these ep- of this episode is it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And like what you were saying about um like the vibe of going into like more rural or, or small towns and then like pulling out and kind of like destroying the town. Remember Night in the Woods? The video game yeah, yeah, yeah. with the cat. That's mm-hmm. kind of what was going on with that town. Yeah. The town was dying because of that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Sorry, that's just what I think of as like a good example of that. It, I don't know if that was necessarily the South. I think that, that was supposed to be the point. Midwest. But like, you know. And like, of course, you've got to love it because like it starts off with um, a blue singer um, getting attacked by hellhounds. And of course, nobody knows what's going on because they're invisible. And of course, it's called Crossroads Blues. Obviously, got it. Like, okay, like, I love that. Love that. <laughs> oh, my God. I, yeah, that's the thing about this episode is I do like this episode. I like the backstory of it so much more. That, like, little bit of research I did for it was so fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. And I have to say for the Hellhounds, like, I... <laughs> have historically been very critical of Supernatural's very bad character designs. <laughs> but the choice to make the Hellhounds invisible is so fucking good. Yeah. Like, we have a budget of $5. We're not going to try and make something scary. So we're going to make this thing invisible. And then we're going to use practical effects to see, like, this woman's, like, pants tearing apart at the seams yes. as this Hellhound, like, claws her to death oh that's so fucking cool oh i love that so much i'll give them that i will give them that (laughs) i know right like the backstory and like the the namesake uh, of the show which it's from the song crossword blues which is obviously the the legend of you know the blues singer who sold his soul and i was actually planning on just like doing that little bit of trivia first if you don't mind me just like doing that yeah go ahead because it's so interesting like they kind of mention it a bit and they're like oh everybody knows this legend i actually didn't know it kind of until this episode and i highly recommend actually reading like the spotify um about page about robert johnson it's very very interesting i'm gonna include a little bit about that too Um, So Robert Johnson was a young and by all accounts untalented boy who in the early 1920s, when he was in his late teens, he would hang around bars, like listen to blues musicians, and he wanted to be like them so much. There's a couple accounts of him like playing his um, guitar or whatever instrument and people would be like, bro, you got no fucking talent. (laughs) He was like really sad. So he disappeared for like a few months slash a year. And when he came back, he could play like nobody else. And that's what makes him so famous. That's what makes him really memorable. He was like the best blues player of all time. And he just like became infamous, like literally. And that's mm-hmm. the thing is he went shot into infamy, like over fucking night. Um, and his music features, you know, Crossroad Blues. Another song, it's about it, Me and the Devil Blues. So his like music has like a bunch of occult references 
And there's like a legend that he sold his soul to the devil to make be like the best blues player of all time. And the th- oh, another legend is that um, for some reason, a lot, like a weird amount of famous musicians die at 27. I think Amy Winehouse might have. I think Kurt Cobain, I can't, I don't have it like on record right now, but a lot of musicians die at the age 27, which is my age. And he's like kind of the first one who did that. They call it the 27 Club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are several different accounts of his death, and he left behind at least three women complaining, <laughs> claiming to be his widow. I absolutely believe that. I love that. Um, to this day, he remains an artistic legend, and those who remember him maintained till the day he died that they had never seen anything like him. And so the song Crosser Blues, which is the episode title, like the one of the only recordings he ever made, Crosser Blues, plays in this episode as he's mm-hmm. making the deal, which is so interesting. And like, okay, this one last fact, because it's very interesting, and this is in the Spotify About page, is that the Spotify About page tries to a little bit um, shed some light on the legend. Like, no, no, no. He still, like, worked hard for a year. And he, he did get the talent, like, the normal way. Everything else is just a coincidence. But, but, there was this man named Ike Zinneman, um, who is unrecorded. We don't know what it sounds like, unfortunately. But as far as people can tell, this is actually happened. As far as we can tell, Ike Zinneman took Johnson, like, under his wing, taught him every everything he knows, and then Robert Johnson went out into the world. Ike Zinneman fucking, by several accounts, this is basically fact, he liked to practice late at night in the local graveyard, sitting on the tombstones while he strummed away. How fucking cool is that? Oh my god. <laughs> like, I don't even care about the Robert Johnson legend, because that's so fucking cool. Robert Johnson learned how to play the guitar in a fucking graveyard. That's so fucking cool. Oh my god. Also, by the way, you were right. Um, both Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain um, died at 27, so. That's so wild. Yeah. Uh, I guess it, it kind of started when a lot of um, famous people died between um, 69 and 71 at the age of 27. That's what really started the like 27 club idea. But he, they definitely weren't the first famous people to die at 27. But yeah. Wait. Oh, my God. What's the name of the... Um... Hold on a second. Hey, Mom. What's the name of the Pink Floyd member that um, I Wish You Were Here was written about? Sid Barrett. Do you know when he died? How old he was? I don't think he was... Sorry, I'm on Wikipedia now because I gotta know. You said Sid Barrett? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Googling. I want to see if he died at 27. No, no, no. He definitely didn't. He definitely didn't. Okay. Jimi Hendrix did. <laughs> okay, thank you. <gasps> yeah, Jimi Hendrix. I I felt like that was a thing. Jim Morrison, Mom, open the door. Actually, I want <laughs> we're talking about it. You can go ahead and open the door. They all died at 27. Kurt Cobain, Janice... Jim Morrison. Yeah. Yeah, oddly enough, they all died at 27. That's and there's so more, too. Yeah. Musicians who have died at 27. That's so weird. It is very strange. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom is... My mom knows everything about music. <laughs> um. Okay, what else about this? God, I feel like I have a thousand things to say about this episode because it's just so good. It's like the supernatural that we all want, basically. So basically, yeah, the brothers, you know, they have to 
They find that some professionals are haunted by hellhounds and they're like looking into it, yada, yada. They meet a guy who made a deal 10 years ago and his time is about to run out. And he kind of did the same thing as I would do. And he wished for a, to make really good art. And uh, I did want to bring this up because the Wikipedia article for Goofer Dust is so fucking interesting. Basically this guy, uh, I'm going to get into the trivia, but this guy lines his door with goofer dust instead of salt and the brothers come in and they're like what the fuck is that and he's like you haven't heard of Go- you know about salt and hellhounds but you don't <laughs> you know, know about, about goofer dust? dust what the fuck is wrong with you granted the brothers never use goofer dust again which like on one hand good no cultural appropriation there thank fucking god yeah. but also um it's like powerful shit <laughs> you guys probably could have used it they f- they talk to this man they get the info they need, and they go back to fucking Evan, who is... This kind of messed me up. Evan is doing paperwork, and his wife comes to the room like, oh, I'm gonna go away for the weekend, yada yada. And I just can't... I can't believe you would make a deal with the devil or a demon, mm-hmm. and then you do, you're do you doing paperwork? Yeah. I would do a demon devil to never do paperwork ever again. Are you kidding me? imagine messing with the supernatural and then doing fucking paperwork about it yeah like you get 10 years to live and you're going to still have to do paperwork for those last 10 years you're gonna spend it writing your birthday over and over and over on like a (laughs) hundred different pieces of paper like fucking we know already jesus but he made a deal to keep his wife alive which is very sweet and i think he should have died and i think the brother should have stayed out of it (laughs) uh so sam stays behind with evan to uh make sure he doesn't die with the goofer dust and all that dean goes to the crossroads and makes a deal with the demon and a demon lady shows up and her titties are (laughs) fantastic (laughs) titties immaculate they're really good. But hong dong gong gong hong garoogles. <laughs> I really hope that woman got to keep like the push-up bra and dress that they put her in because oh my can you imagine going on a date with this woman and then seeing her with like that outfit? <laughs> I will lose my fucking mind. Oh my oh god. My god. <laughs> she should have stolen it. If she didn't, she should have. Um <laughs> Also, it's really funny that Sam is like, Dean, you're going to make a deal with a demon? As if they don't fucking do that every fucking day in yeah. like, the later seasons. It's so funny. Like, you can really tell um, if you go from watching the later seasons to um, restarting the series, like, the amount of, like, villain degradation. Like, because in the early seasons, demons in general were scary. Demon deals? Oh my god! This is supposed to be, like, oh wow, the How brothers are you? really going off the rails now! But then it's like, in the later seasons, like, oh yeah, demon <laughs> deals? Yeah, that's nothing. We're making deals with, like, death, the, like, concept of nothingness, God himself. Like, what? An angel makes demon deals, like, every other day? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. They really don't care. They don't get any... Yeah, my fucking shit. soul is worth like seven dollars at this point yeah like so many people have owned this thing <laughs> it's gone through like five different <laughs> owners 
free your soul. The Winchesters are the loose pussies of the team. I hate you so much. I'm sorry. I'm being very sexist in this episode. They're just like the soul sluts (laughs) of the supernatural universe. They're just soul belongs to like seven different people at any given time. It's ridiculous. Let them all fight over it. (laughs) They literally just don't care. Honestly, though, how funny would that be? Like you like make contracts with different like people and you're like, okay, now they're all due. Now (laughs) you all get to fight over it. Destroy each other. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's why like so many monsters form like mobster families because the fucking Winchesters just have so many debts that that, like supernatural beings have to be like, well, I got to start a mob about this because I can't go to court for about this. I can't go to Phoenix Wright human law about this. I can't, I can't show up at Judge Judy's so like door and be like, hey, I gotta sue him. He didn't give me a soul. He told me he would. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Civil court episode, but supernatural. That's what I hope other monsters like see the Winchester brothers as. Like, you know, like the more chill monsters that we don't see that are just like living their lives, but they're aware of the Winchester. Like, what fucking drama have they got into today? Like, maybe there's like, you know, in Harry Potter, there's like a secret uh, radio station for wizards. Maybe they like tune in there. Everybody's like, oh, it's the Winchester Minute. Let's see what these stupid fucking idiots are doing today. They sold their soul for the 72nd time. Bam, 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 bam. Guess what they got this time? Oh, my God. God. <laughs> Dean sold his soul for a fucking Budweiser. Can you fucking believe it? Oh, Bud, of all things. <laughs> Stupid. So D tricks the demon into getting on the devil's trap and she gets pissy and is like, your dad's rotting and he's screaming and he's like, oh shit, I forgot. I got to care about my dad, I guess. Uh, everything's fine. Don't worry. Everything's fine. <laughs> and then Sam and Dean are on the road and Dean is so dramatic in this. Um, is he not? Although what I found interesting, very, very interesting is Dean is like, Dad should have gone out fighting. This is supposed to be his legacy. And Sam's like, Evan is safe because what have he, what he taught us, that's his legacy. And that's fucking reasonable. Yeah. The older generations should give their teachings onto the younger generation. And Dean's like, no, he should have fought to the death and spilled his blood. That's how it should be. And it's just so sad thinking about the finale. Like, Dean. Oh, boy. Oh my god, that's Dean's legacy, is dying fighting. Yeah, exactly. Like, there should have been some sort of character growth between now and 14 years later. (laughs) I can't think about it without going absolutely insane. Can you imagine writing a character for 14, 15 years, and then keeping the same ending as you decided in, like, episode three? To be fair, the writers changed, like, five times between now and then yeah but robert's robert singer though oh shit but also robert singer can eat my entire ass (laughs) it's probably robert singer's idea like oh well dean always wanted to die fighting so that's what's gonna happen and everyone's like no 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 but then covid happened so they couldn't argue against him i guess it's just so insane to think about 15 years that he gets the exact ending he always thought he would. That's so fucked up. It is. Like, not to talk about Adventure Zone for the fifth time today, 
But fucking Travis McRoy, after 69 episodes, was like, you know what? My character has changed. And the ending I thought he would always have is different. He deserves, I think he deserves, he may not think he deserves this, but he deserves to be surrounded by his friends and die peacefully and in a way that I see fitting. And that's why The Adventure Zone is the best ending of all time. Because they fucking get it. They fucking understood that characters change. And Dean deserved better. He did so much for everybody. And all he got for it was a fucking rebar pole in his fucking chest. Yeah. I guess they were just like, well, we can't have both brothers die peacefully. I'm like, A, yes, you could have. B, there were other ways to go about it. Like, you you didn't have to have him die violently on a hunt. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, I think the most um, atrocious part of it isn't necessarily that he died violently on a hunt, which is definitely terrible, but he died violently on a hunt, like, less than a month later before he actually got a chance to actually enjoy their hard-won freedom like it's absolutely insane and you know people people say that Cass isn't the like the uh barrier gaze but dean is a barrier gaze and i feel like people really have a good point with that because the writers really were like well if we give dean a wife people are gonna be angry so we just have to kill him because we don't see a positive future with him that doesn't include having a wife and 2.5 children it's so fucking batshit insane they didn't need to show sam's death like they could have had an ending like let's say they didn't want to acknowledge jack and Cass and where all they are now fine sure whatever they didn't have to show either of them dying like they they could have left it as an open-ended hopeful ending but no they had to take it to the end where both of them died and how that happened and that they w- both went to heaven. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, you could easily assume Dean went to heaven. So Sam will also go to heaven. It, yeah, it literally, they could have had that little tiny scene where Dean turns around and sees Sam. It's like, okay, yeah, of course. Of course, they're going to be together in heaven. But then they spent like a, the 15 minutes before that just fucking around, <laughs> twisting the fucking knife in all of us. Oh, my fucking God. It's just a montage of Sam being fucking sad about his brother's death for the last fucking 80, 60 years of his life. Oh my god, I'm so fucking angry about it. I'm so fucking mad. What the fuck? Anyway, um, kind of, <laughs> before I get to trivia, if you had to sell your soul to a demon, what would you sell for? And if you had the kind of guarantee that you would be saved by angels, so you wouldn't have to be in hell for that long, maybe... Honestly, depending on how hungry I was, I might sell it for a bag of chips if I knew I was getting out. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but but, um, I'd sell my soul to Satan for a corn chip. Exactly. Okay. Just remember um, that scene in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where it's just like, oh, son, for that you sold your everlasting soul. And he's like, well, I wasn't using it. (laughs) I am. I am shocked. I was waiting for you to bring up Oh Brother Where Art Thou the entire time. I'm like, he's gonna talk about it. I'm just waiting for it. I'm surprised he didn't bring it up earlier. I wasn't going to. Because I basically to. have Robert Johnson in the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm fine with it. Yeah, his whole character was a reference to Robert Johnson. <laughs> but, um, like, I was actually not gonna bring it up. But, like, that's how I feel if I knew, if I know 
that I'm going to be <laughs> allowed out of hell, then I would definitely feel like, oh, I'm not using it. Sure, why not? Like, but I think you gotta raise the stakes. <laughs> like, yeah, you're gonna be tortured, and your loved ones are never gonna see you again. And I might, I might be a little bit more discerning then on what I sell it for. Because <laughs> honestly, I don't really think there's anything I specifically want that badly that I'd be like okay with being like I only get ten more years because like I, I feel like it would have to be something what evan did like to save his wife's life like it would have to be something where something bad will happen to someone i love if i don't do this because not only do i not want to be eternally tortured i know my family would be incredibly sad if i died and i can't do that to them it's got to be something worth it you know that'd be my main reason like <laughs> yeah we all we all got our reasons for living my reason for living is i don't want to make my mommy sad you know <laughs> <laughs> no i get that at the same time if i sold my soul to a demon i'm very selfish and all i want in this entire world is to be uh the best storyteller in the world it doesn't matter what medium comic animation dnd any i want to be the best storyteller in the world that's all i want to be in this world <laughs> it's very selfish but there you go and it kind of got me thinking about how so many like you know robert johnson sold a soul to be really good at guitar. It was actually interesting that one of the careers was, you know, architect. That kind that counts as like art, kind of, sort of. But the other one was to be like a really good surgeon, which you never really, I feel like I never hear that. Someone selling their yeah. soul to be something useful. <laughs> like it's, I feel like it's such a common thing for art. No, sorry. <laughs> like, listen, as someone who's been drawing a fucking ton lately, I feel like it's such a common thing for artists to like be willing to sell their souls and destroy their lives to be the best artist in the universe. And that doesn't happen for other careers. I think it's kind of part of like the mythos of, you know, fame. Like, sure, there are other ways yeah. to get wealthy and get acknowledgement but what you see the most if you're doing the kind of you know rock and roll lifestyle you kind of are selling your soul like there's a reason why a lot of those famous people died so young they lived dangerously they either yeah were involved in dangerous kind of self uh self-harming behaviors or, you know, probably had some sort of mental illnesses that did not, you know, they're not lifestyles that are healthy, mm. but they look glamorous from the outside. Yeah. Fame is definitely like that, which I think that's one of the reasons why those myths have such staying power, because there is a grade of truth. And also because, I mean, who who is going to tell a legend about a surgeon who sold their soul? That's not fun. That's not glamorous yeah the actor oh, exactly. or the um pop star who did it you know yeah no that's a really good point no it's like such a like a fairy tale thing it feels like exactly it's like a modern fairy tale selling yourself everything for fame. to be famous <laughs> i mean what is robert johnson robert johnson is kind of a fairy tale <laughs> like both fairy tale and hor well fairy tales and horror stories are, are not that different if you really think about it yeah horror and every other genre are just like a hair's breadth away from each other comedy and horror can be pretty much the same thing from a different perspective it's all about anyway, the tension. okay okay we need to talk about the last episode i forgot there's another episode yeah the american mythos 
continued in episode nine. Yeah. Well, let me get through the rest of the trivia. Okay, so Robert Johnson, we got through that. I did want to talk about goofer dust because just because the Wikipedia article about it is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, goofer dust is a traditional hexing material and practice of the Amer- uh, African-American tradition of hoodoo from the southeastern region of the United States of America. Uh, it can generally refer to any powder used to cast a spell, especially if harmful in nature, but specifically refers to a concoction of natural ingredients that can be used to cause harm, trouble, or even kill someone. Um, recipes for making it vary, but primarily it includes graveyard dirt and snakeskin. Other ingredients can be ash, powdered sulfur, salt, powdered bones, powdered insect chitin, uh, dried manure, herbs, spices, and anvil dust, which is like the you know, the metals off the anvil. Um, in the modern day, formulations for goofer dust can be anything harmful that comes, that's like at hand. Like insecticide powders can be mixed with expired medications, dried medical waste, shit like that can be put into goofer dust because the entire point of goofer dust usually is to harm the person. I just think that's such an interesting evolution mm-hmm. of magic, of hoodoo, that to use shit that is genuinely so harmful to add on to graveyard dirt and ash and things that are metaphorically harmful. Oh, it's so interesting to me. And my last bit of trivia is that the doctor is hiding out in Baskerville's motel, which is a reference to Arthur Conan Doyle's The Hound of Baskerville's, uh, a Sherlock Holmes mystery centered around a mysterious gigantic black dog. Sarah Gamble, you fit it all together. (laughs) Queen shit. Uh, Okay, so episode nine, Crotoan, which is November 2nd, 2006, written by Matt Witten, directed by Kim Manners. Um, Another one of Sam's visions in which Dean kills a man by the name of Dwayne Tanner, sent the Winchesters to River Grove, a nearby ghost town facing uh, mass demonic possession. Sam and Dean begin to believe that the demons are trying to destroy the town from the inside out, with the remaining tr- town folk try to kill them. This episode's not as good as I remembered. I actually didn't get a chance to rewatch this because I I was slipping and I, <laughs> I, did, I didn't get through all the homework, sorry. But I, I remember this episode's important. Yeah, because this is... I'm pretty. I'm pretty damn sure that the inverse kind of stems from this episode, where yeah. more incidents like this happen, and eventually, like the entire human population is infected with the Croatoan virus or whatever. Yeah, like it was like a demon virus or something, right? <laughs> yeah. So basically, what it was was that um, there is sulfur in their blood, and to spread it, they open a wound in another person, and they mix. Uh, their sulfur demon blood with that person and they become infected and <laughs> they become unwell and start hurting other people. This is around the time where like the zombie craze was getting kickstarted. Oh my god, you're so right. I mean, that's why they did it. It really is. <laughs> they had to have a zombie episode yeah. because like this is <laughs> this is a zombie craze. I also wrote down that this is the Among Us episode. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Dean literally says at one point, Sam is like, you killed a man, <laughs> or something like that. And Dean literally says, and I ventilated him? Like, um, they kind of protected Among Us. <laughs> like, the whole episode is like, we don't know who's infected until it's too late. And this episode is basically John Carpenter's The Thing, which is one of my favorite horror movies. In the trivia, I'm gonna just spoil it, because whatever. In the trivia, they said that um some of the music literally, re- like, 
is very, very similar to the music in that movie. It has a very fairly iconic soundtrack where it's just very synthy. Boom, 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 boom. And oh, there is one point where Dean is like kind of getting close to a bridge and he's like closed off by the locals, like park their cars on the bridge and they all have guns and they are fucking ready to go at him but they're still trying to keep it low-key, kind of. And the music does do a little bit of that John Carpenter, like, synthy dun-dun-dun. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, something bad is happening, but we're going to keep it low-key. Ah, yeah, this is basically the thing episode, which makes me so happy. But, oh, God, some of the execution of the episode is really bad. A guy jumps out a window, and they do, like, three cuts of it. It's very fucking stupid. It's cut like a fucking action movie. Like... No, this is John Carpenter's The Thing episode. (laughs) Fucking knock it off. I don't (laughs) want to see this. It's so stupid. Basically, this episode, Sam sees Croatoan um, carved into the light, into a, what's it called? Electrical pole. And he, the fucking lore that he is, he's like, oh shit, this is like in Roanoke. And he's like, I don't know. I just want to fuck women. (laughs) Sam is like, you know, the lost colony of Roanoke, where the, nobody knows whatever happened. So we all fucking know what happened. They just integrated with the local uh, Native American tribes. We all fucking know by now. But still. I just think it's fucking wild. Like, like the implication that they got taken over by z- demon zombies? What? That's a lot. I also, like, <laughs> why on earth would they? Like, there's a lot of theories. Why would they carve Croatoan in there if yeah. it didn't have anything to do with the Croatoans? Like, what? What? Yeah. What? There was no need to link this back to the Roanoke p- colony is all I'm saying. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just like, this is just an unnecessarily, like, kind of racist overtone here. Yeah! Because, <laughs> like, the whole point, the whole, like, Roanoke thing is that Croatoan was carved into a nearby tree. The thing is, that the the story is perpetuated by the governor of Roanoke who left Roanoke for like several years because he was like, I'm going to go get some supplies. And he just fucking left for fucking years. He comes back. The entire town is empty because mm-hmm. they didn't have any fucking food to eat. And all he can find out is that there's a tree with the word Croatoan carved in it. There's an island nearby named Croatoan with the Croatoan tribe. I think that's the name. I might be wrong. And, you know, it's very easy to be like, well, the townsfolk were fucking starving and the Native Americans nearby were like, oh, shit, um, let's help out. And they helped the townsfolk survive and probably integrated them. And DNA evidence has shown that the people probably integrated with the tribe because there is like European heritage shown in the DNA of surviving people of that tribe. Like, I love crazy batshit theories about shit i hate listening to (laughs) reason about uh cases like this but it's it makes fucking sense there's no mystery here anymore it's so stupid oh my god i forgot my original point was (laughs) like it's interesting it's very like the idea of a town just completely clearing out overnight is always very interesting But Roanoke clearing out over several years while this guy was dicking around and not getting food for them like he was supposed to, that's not as interesting. Of course they would go to get fucking help from people who would help them. Unlike people in Jamestown who were just like fucking stupid idiot. Fucking the uh, Donner Party. Just fucking accept the help. It's right there. They're trying to help you. 
It's so dumb. Roanoke, those people got it. They were like, okay, we need help. These people want to help. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Instead of resorting to fucking cannibalism like idiots. Oh my God. So stupid. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that was pretty much all we had there to say on this episode. In this- yeah. Would you say continuity? Uh, there's some continuity the, at the end of the episode. Um, one of the guys who we thought was free of the disease, he's driving with the other guy and he's like, can we make a stop? I need a pee break or something. And they stop and the guy is like, oh, I need to make a call. And then he slices his neck and he d- it's the return of the blood goblet. Oh my God. They actually oh, remember the bo- <laughs> Meg's blood goblet. I don't know how he got it, but he has it. And then also, you know, Enverse is from this episode, essentially. So... For once in its horrible life, Supernatural actually has continuity. <laughs> that kind of works, sort of, mostly. <laughs> um, there is the very tragic, sad scene of Sam. You know, he thinks he's infected. He's gonna be. He's gonna be fine. Don't worry. But he's infected, and Dean just chooses to stay behind with him. And Sam's like, "You could leave. You'll be fine. You can survive." And Dean's like, "Who says I want to?" And they kind of leave it at that. And it's like, "Oh shit!" And like anyone who wasn't a Dean girl at that point became a Dean girl. <laughs> we all know it. A uh, little, little last bit of thing, you know, anytime the brothers are near a body of water, that's when like shit is about to get fucking serious. That's when they're about to fucking cry their own lake of tears basically <laughs> they're like next to a body of water and sam is sam is kind of joking too he's like so <laughs> what were you talking about when you said you don't want to live anymore and dean's like i meant i wanted to see the grand canyon we haven't been to vegas let's go have some fun and sam's like ah you're so funny and then dean is like uh dad told me something he told me something real bad about you, Sammy, and that it left at that cliffhanger. So next next episode recap, we're going to talk about how Dean is supposed to kill Sam. <laughs> I really wish they had some episodes. They just went on fucking vacation. Like, I don't want, like, p- more of the police arc where they have to deal with, like, human shenanigans or, like, you know, normal people shenanigans, and it's very boring. But I think it would be very fun to see them at Las Vegas and just... <laughs> Either just having the fucking time of their life, or like arguing over what shows to see. Like <laughs> Dean wants to go see Britney Spears perform Toxic, but he doesn't want to admit it. And Sam is like, "We can go see Britney Spears. It's fine. It's We're on fine. vacation. Stop repressing yourself." I don't know if I like this episode or not because it's not as good as I remember. But also, it's a The Thing homage, and also Dean has emotions that make me very upset. <laughs> But other than that, like, whatever. Oh, I forgot to say that I did think that um, Crossroad Blues is, like, one of the episodes that you should show people if you want to get them into Supernatural. That's fair. Because it's, like, it's good. It's a very pinnacle episode. Uh, Okay, trivia. Uh, Obviously, I'm going to talk about fucking Roanoke. So, the Lost Colony of Roanoke was established on Roanoke Island in North Carolina, United States. Uh, it was a late 16th century attempt by Elizabeth I to establish a permanent English settlement. The final group of colonists disappeared during the Anglo-Spanish War. Uh, their disappearance gave rise to the nickname the Lost Colony. To this day, there has been no conclusive evidence as to what happened to the colonists, although fucking obviously the theory is that they assimilated into the local Native American tr- population. And it- the DNA has shown that that's fucking true. It's ridiculous. Um, 
This one got me. Jared Padalecki has said many times in interviews and conventions that filming the scene where Sam tells Dean to leave him was especially hard. For some reason, for some reason? That's literally what it says. For some reason? Padalecki got very emotional and had to make an effort to dial it back because the emotion didn't serve the scene. You're fucking, like, Jensen and Jared, as we know, have a very strong relationship. Mm -hmm. And Jared's like, yeah, I don't know why. Watching Jensen say he doesn't want to live anymore really got to me. It's like, yeah, bro. That's hard. Even uh, even seeing a fiction, like, knowing you're both playing a character, that's hard to watch. Yeah. Like, of course it's going to affect you. Oh, my God. Um... When Dean walks up to the deserted bloody car in the road, <laughs> the baseline of the background music is very reminiscent of John Carpenter's The Thing, 1982. Uh, the storylines also mirror each other. Very The Thing. If you haven't seen The Thing, highly recommend. Unless you don't like body horror, in which case, do not watch The Thing. <laughs> My favorite scene in the entire movie is the body horror scene. So, um, do you have an AU you, you've been working on? Well, I have so many AUs that I've been working on. I keep forgetting them. <laughs> we kind of went a little crazy with our uh, roommate's AU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I basically count the... <laughs> yeah. I sort of started coming up with a... Um, in Crosser Blues, Dean... Like, Sam is like, who the fuck is Robert Johnson? And Dean's like, you don't fucking know who Robert Johnson is? And I give Supernatural so much shit for having bad music, but... Dean knowing like blues and having having a little bit of taste, especially in old music that like nobody really cares about anymore, <laughs> just made me want a music historian professor Dean AU. Oh, I think that'd, that'd be, really be so good. I would love that. Yeah, if you retired from hunting and just started teaching music, that'd be so fucking good. I'd love that. You know what's fucked up about Supernatural is that Dean never plays a guitar. Yeah, like, I think the that's fuck? so fucked up. Like, hello? That's unbelievable. Give him a fucking I guitar. I refuse to believe that. That's Give him a fucking guitar. They can fit that in the Apollo. Are you kidding me? In the fucking John Winchester diary, they fit an entire 1990s desktop computer into the Apollo, <laughs> but they don't give Dean a guitar? Are you serious? Yeah. Dean plays guitar. Dean definitely plays guitar. Shut the fuck up. Absolutely. I will keep my... He got um, blisters on his fucking fingers. Oh, absolutely. You got all those calluses. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to go with the uh, roommate's AU for Sammy Saturday yeah. <laughs> as my AU of the week. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. That was really good and fun. Um, okay, this has been Helling Complicated. I'm Dupless on Tumblr, Dupless27 on Twitter, Dupless everywhere. Do you have anything you want to say? Uh, I'm Bo, as you know. Please don't try to find me, but like if you really, if you really, 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 really need me, if you really need me, what you can do is you can boot up your Switch. And I'm so sorry if you don't have a Switch, but you just can't contact me. Like find someone else. Boot up your Switch. Boot up your Ace Attorney game. Because again, if you don't have Ace Attorney, again, you'll have to find someone who does or you'll have to buy it. Sorry. You have to buy Ace Attorney after listening to this episode. Yes, you have to buy Ace Attorney. You're legally obligated to buy Ace Attorney after listening to this episode. Um, <laughs> you, boot up, you boot up the most recent save file and you got to like do a very, very specific set of like controller codes, right? I'm not going to tell you what they are. Just feel it in your soul. And then my image will appear. 
You're the Ben Tround of Ace Attorney. Absolutely. I don't know what that means, but yes. Real- okay, I might have to... I'll send you some links after this. <laughs> um, uh, but, 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 you can find us at Helene Podcast on Twitter, Helene Complicate on Tumblr and Facebook. Please review on Apple Podcasts when you enjoy this. I really appreciate it. It boosts the algorithm, even though I've been really slacking on episodes, so there's no point in <laughs> trying to make it better. Whatever. Um, lastly, Misha Collins, please come on the podcast. Tell us what you would sell your soul for. I'm sure it'd be like, I don't know, a fucking rainbow dildo for your wife to peg you with. I hate you so much. That's what I'm assuming. That's my headcanon. So you know what? Come on the podcast and prove me fucking wrong. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, have a good day. (laughs) Have a good day, everyone. And carry on, my wayward kids. I need to stop downloading artsy games because I don't have enough brain capacity for them. (laughs) I'm stupid as hell. I just get bored. Yeah. Some of these games, I don't know what I'm getting into when I start. And then I start and I'm like, when does the game begin? And then it's like, this is the ride. Yeah.